So this past week, I've been thinking about the message that I spoke uh, this last week on, on Sunday, and it really was speaking to me as much as I was preaching to you. I, I, I got to be honest, I was preaching to myself as well, because if you remember, we were talking about wisdom and, and the opposite of wisdom, and, and I don't want to be a fool, right? We were talking about moving towards wisdom and the wisdom of God, and church, I don't want to be a fool. I don't want someone, or I don't want to be someone who, like we were talking about, hears the word but does nothing about it. Or I'm, let's say, even a step above that where I hear the word and it changes my thinking, which happens sometimes in us. It changes our thinking, but then we don't do anything about it. Have you ever done that where the word has changed your thinking, but you don't do anything about it? You think one thing, but you do another. I don't want to be that person. Remember James 119. That's what I want to live, right? I want to not just be a hearer of the word. I want to hear it and I want to do it. I want to do what it actually says. Anybody else want to actually do what the Word of God says? You know, I've been wrestling with that this week. For me personally, for me in my life, it's, Lord, I don't want to just hear about your grace. I want to accept your grace. I want to live under your grace. So I've been trying this week to to just set my heart and my mind on God and on His grace. Which by the way means I've had to do a lot of just being quiet. And just receiving from the Lord. So I've tried to acknowledge His grace in my life and to live under His grace. I don't want to just hear it. I want to do it. As we read in that passage last week, it was an amazing uh, promise that we, we read in, in verse 25. It was that the one who hears it and actually does what it says. Do you remember what it said? They will be, do you remember? Blessed. Yeah, that's right. Blessed in what they do. Don't you want to be blessed? Don't you want to live underneath the blessing of God? I, I know I do. So I, I've tried to put last Sunday's message on wisdom into practice over this past week. It's been good. It's been challenging. Nothing easy about it, but it's been good. And I hope you'd be willing to do the same as well. I would love to be a part of a church where we actually would do what we think, that we would not just be hearers, but doers. If we could actually live in that way, what a change that could happen, not only in us, but in this community. You know, I was thinking about all this, and it reminded me of taking Spanish in school. Anybody here take a Spanish class in school? Some of you took German. I don't know why you took German, but anyways, <laughs> grace. Um, <laughs> but I, I was sharing with Jason this past week. Um, I took a lot of Spanish. I took a lot of Spanish in high school, a lot of Spanish in college. And Jason and I were actually in this Spanish class together in high school. We actually saw the video of us doing this uh, Spanish video on gold bond powder and we put it in really inappropriate places, and we were like, ooh, muy bien. And it was awful. inappropriate. I think we got an A on it, though, but because I think all you had to do is make the teacher laugh, and we get an A. So, got it. That's what's wrong with our school system. But anyways, <laughs> um, um, with that being said, you know how much Spanish I speak nowadays after all of that training and education? That's right, Joe. Nada. Absolutely. You know, for me, it's kind of like grande taco, muy bien, and hasta la vista, baby. You know, that's, that's the extent of my Spanish. And I don't think I learned any of that in class. And why can't I speak Spanish? It's because if you don't use it, you, you lose it. Yeah, and everybody knows that. If you really want to speak Spanish and speak it well and speak it fluently, you've got to use it. Every day, you've got to speak in Spanish. Stop speaking in English. Only communicate in Spanish. Otherwise, it's gone. You'll lose it. And that's... In many ways, what James is telling us, he says, you can go to class on being a Christian for years. In fact, you can go to church your whole life, get your degree in churchianity, 
If you don't use it, if you actually don't put it into practice, actually live this Christian life, do what it says, you're going to lose it. And for me, I don't want to just hear God's word. I don't want to just learn about wisdom. I want to put it into practice, do what it says. I don't want to learn about being a Christian. I want to be a Christian, one who is blessed as I do what the Lord and his word tells me to do. So that's what this move series is all about. Like I said uh, last week, it might make you feel a little uncomfortable. It might make you squirm a little bit, make you feel like the AC is broken. It's not. It's working just fine. But you know what? I'm okay with that. <laughs> I'm really okay with that. And if I know you guys as well as I think I know some of you, you're okay with it as well. You don't want to stay the same. Come on. Life's too short. We want to be moved according to the things in the will of God. So here we are again in the book of Proverbs. Remember I said there's the first 17 books and then the last 17 books of the Old Testament. Right in the middle is five books, the wisdom literature. And we got the book of Proverbs. If you have your Bibles or your smart, smartphones or tablets or if you, whatever else they've invented these days, go ahead and open it up to Proverbs 19. Again, we're back in the middle of the Old Testament. In the book of Proverbs, chapter 19. Before we go any further, I want you to go ahead and watch this clip. Excuse me. I know you didn't think anyone would catch you, but you just slammed your door into my car. The least you can do is say you're sorry, lady. You don't have to take that tone. It's not like I'm hurting your resale value. I'm sorry. See? Like that. Yes, 
So today we are talking about emotions. Yeah, that's right. You're like, why did I come to church? But yes, we're talking about emotions because talking about emotions is scary stuff because nothing gets us in more trouble in more trouble than our emotions. When God created human beings in the very beginning, he said in Genesis 2 that man became a living nephesh. That's the Hebrew word for a living being. And this living being, God gave a mind, God gave emotion, and God gave will. I understand why God would give us a mind so that we can think and navigate through this life. And and he'd give us a will so that we can make choices. But what is the point of emotion, right? Why would God create human beings to be such a feeling people? Our word emotion, it, it originates from the Latin, which means to move out. So our emotions somehow have something to do with us moving Moving to do something, to generate an energy within us to accomplish something. Emotions give us the green light. They are there to move us to something, generating an energy within us to accomplish something. You ever have some energy from your emotions before? Right? And, and emotions in and of themselves, they are neither good nor bad. They, they just are. But the question is, when I feel emotion and it generates this energy within me for me to do something, well, what is the something that I end up doing? For example, the emotion of fear, it moves to protect ourselves or protect others. Or for me, it it gets me to hightail it out of there, right? Or the emotion of happiness, it moves us to enjoy. Or the emotion of affection, it moves us to serve. But what does the emotion of anger, the strongest of all emotions, that flares up inside of all of us, what does it move us to do? Why does God give us anger. Now, we know that God experiences anger, and we know that He's given us a capacity for it, but how do we express anger according to the wisdom of God in the way that He has designed us to express it so that we're not viewed as hateful and ugly and tolerant and flat-out mean people? Well, King Solomon here, he gives us an interesting insight in this whole idea of the wisdom of anger. Chapter 19 of Proverbs, verse 11. This is what he writes. He says, A man's discretion makes him slow to anger. And it is his glory to overlook a transgression. A man's discretion makes him slow to anger. It's interesting. He says a man's discretion makes him slow to get angry. The word discretion, it's the word sakal in the Hebrew. It simply means a kind of intelligence, the intelligence of thinking. So when you have intelligence, it means that you are a thinking person. And thinking is basically asking yourself a bunch of questions, right? The more I keep on asking myself questions, the more I'm going through the process of thinking, which is really the process of intelligence. And here I'm saying that intelligence has everything to do with wise anger. Well, how so? Well, he says, the one with intelligence, he will be slow to anger. Slow to anger. The word here for slow is harak. It simply means to be long, to lengthen, to be slow to anger. The word anger is the Hebrew word enough. It means the snorting of a horse. Like, I'm not even going to try, but, but uh, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's there. The snorting of a horse. Maybe you think that about your husband's husband. But you know, just that, it's the temper, right? But he's saying, take a long time to get there. See, anger is not necessarily the problem. It's too soon anger. Too soon anger causes the foolishness, causes the problem. And then what happens? If you've tried this before, too soon anger, you've got to clean up your mess afterwards. Anger and too soon anger has a way of removing, if you've noticed, reason from our minds and our hearts. So we've got to use discretion discretion and be slow to anger because the emotion of anger it causes us to lose our reason 
I was just thinking about some of the fights that Mary and I have had. If you've ever been in a fight before, what happens? You just stop thinking, right? If you've been married, you've done this before. Reason, it just whoop, goes out the window. You stop asking yourself questions. Now we're just feeling, and when we're feeling, we're not thinking, and then we can do some real damage. And by the way, if you tend to be angry all the time because you're short-fused and you're quick to get mad, all you're doing is declaring your IQ. Because it takes intelligence to keep thinking, to keep thinking, keep asking questions, asking questions. When you start to feel anger, ask what? Ask, why am I, why am I getting angry? What am I going to do with this anger? How you handle anger, listen to this, how you handle anger is the difference between a fool and a wise man. Because anger, again, in and of itself, it is not a bad thing. Well, how do I know that anger is not a bad thing? Well, I've read my Bible. Look at Jesus. In John chapter 2, Jesus, he's showing up at the temple in Jerusalem, remember? And he sees them making the temple into a Walmart. The Jews, they're buying and selling basically animals for sacrifice. They're providing some money-changing services for a small fee. Jesus comes in. Jesus gets ticked off. Remember, he turns over tables. He makes a whip. He's not in a good mood. He's what? He's angry. He does it again three years later. When he returns, things have not been fixed. He goes in there a second time. He's angry. A matter of fact, uh, Mark chapter 3, uh, another situation happens. It's when Jesus enters the synagogue, and it's on the Sabbath, and he comes in there. There's this man, if you remember this, there's that man, right, with a withered hand. And, and, and he says, he looks around, he says, is it lawful for me to heal this man's hand? Right? And the Jewish leaders are looking at him. They know it's on the Sabbath. They're giving him a dirty look. They don't really say anything. They're trying to catch him, right? And then it says in Mark 3 that the anger of the Lord burned within him. So Jesus got angry. And so anger itself, it's, it's not a bad thing. In fact, Ephesians 4, 26, 27. Paul, he says, be angry. And what? Do not sin. Be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. So it's okay to be angry, but not too soon angry. When I start to feel anger, I need to keep thinking and thinking. Why am I angry? Asking questions. Why am I angry? Keep thinking, asking questions. One of those questions, this is important, needs to be this. Is this about me? Now, we talked about this last week. If you didn't hear last week's message, I encourage you to go online, listen to it. But is this about me? Am I angry because I am not being treated as a God? Because all of us, including me, in our flesh, we have this arrogance, which is the essence of I should be treated as divine, which to me, it means two things. Number one, I want to be treated well, right? Hallowed be thy name or my name. And number two, I want my will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. I want things to go my way. And when I'm not treated well, when people are rude to me, guess what? I get angry. Or if my will is not being done when things aren't going my way, guess what? I get angry. But it's all about me getting angry because I am not being treated as divine. But Solomon, he wants to help me out. He writes in the last part of Proverbs 19.11, listen to this. And it is his glory. It is, Dan, it is your glory to what? To overlook a transgression. The word glory here, it's translated as beauty. It's an adornment. You see the beauty of God when you are willing to forgive a personal attack. I'm not being treated as God. And <clears throat> you're treating me rudely and... You've hurt me and my will's not being done and my desire isn't accomplished. And yet, if I actually overlook that, it's a thing of beauty. That's the beauty of the cross. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Do you remember that? Do you remember that? Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. It's so beautiful. 
It's so powerful. Even in this world, think about it. You, you'll have non-believers who are wearing Christian crosses. Have you noticed that? Around their neck. You know why they do that? Because there's a beauty to the cross that even they recognize. The beauty of one man's love. And for us, with our anger, and when our anger is over something that's personal, and if we overlook it, it's because we understand that Christ, He has suffered a lot more than me, and I am not God, and the main issue of my life is not how I am being treated. I am not God, so my will being done is not the issue of life, so I surrender my rights to be treated as a God, and thus I walk in humility to the one true God, overlooking others' transgressions. That is the beauty, that is the glory, that, by the way, is actually seen and observed by those around us. So when you feel that anger, and you will feel that anger, keep thinking, keep thinking, keep thinking. Keep on asking questions. Keep on asking questions. All right, Dan, why are you getting angry? Well, I'm angry because of the way you're treating me. Oh, well, Dan, that's a personal thing. Overlook it. Well, I'm angry because things aren't going the way I want them to go. Well, then, Dan, that's personal. Overlook it. Overlook it and show the glory, right? Show the beauty of God. I'm getting angry because of the way they are treating that woman. All right, Dan, be angry. That's a whole nother ball game. See, I want to read a verse from Micah. Not that Micah, but Micah chapter 6, verse 8. You guys have probably heard this one before, but he, he has told you, O oh man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? This is one of those times when you want to really listen up when it says, what does the Lord require of you, right? Pastor Dan, pay attention. He requires to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. So I think I, I kind of understand what it means to walk humbly. I, I kind of understand kindness. But even before that, what, what's the first one? To do, to do justice. Now that's interesting. When do you do justice? It's when you see injustice being done, right? This is when someone else is being harmed, when someone else is being hurt. Somebody else is basically being destroyed. I mean, look at Jesus. Look at, as he went into that temple, he saw what was going on. He saw the mess. People in their prayers were being taken advantage of. They were being destroyed by those men in the temple. And he got angry. Remember the story of the man with a withered hand. And he was going to have to continue to suffer with his withered hand because of those Pharisees. And he got angry. And then remember the words of Paul. Be angry and do not sin. We started by saying that the emotion of anger, it moves us to something, right? And that God created it to move you towards something. Well, what is it? I, I'd encourage you, if you're taking notes, write this down. The emotion of anger is to move you to correct injustice. The emotion of anger is to move you to correct injustice. Whether it be nationally or individually. Boy, if we had some more heroes more just Christians who would get angry at the injustice and who would be moved to correct that which is wrong, to get angry. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, but let your anger move you to protect others, to love others, to produce justice for others. That's when you're being wise. And as we do this, as we confront injustice, usually we do this with our mouth. Oh, wow, right? I mean, just have you ever used your mouth before? Um, it's a tough gig. Have you ever said something like kind of weird or awkward or inappropriate with your mouth? Have you ever caused damage or hurt to another person with your mouth? Anyone else besides me? Or am I the only fool in the place? Absolutely. You met our mouths. My mouth can get me into a whole lot of trouble. Praise the Lord for the wisdom of God. Turn to chapter 15, 1. We're going to talk about the wisdom of anger that can be expressed through your mouth. Your mouth doesn't have to just be a negative thing that blows things up all the time. It can actually be used for good. Anyone know, by the way, who Will Rogers is? Not Fred Rogers, but Will Rogers. 
All right. So I think he died in a plane crash, 1935. Real clever guy, real witty. If, if you've ever read his stuff, it's very enjoyable, um, quite funny. But here's some of the things that he said. Listen to this. He said, good judgment comes from experience. And a lot of that comes from bad judgment. He went on to say, he goes, never miss a good chance to shut up. <laughs> I love that one. And he said, when you're digging yourself in a hole with your mouth, if you find yourself in a hole, stop digging. See, well, he understood the power of words. And God wants us to understand that there is power in our words as well. Did you know that it is possible for the words that you speak? Did you know it is actually possible for the words that you speak to diffuse conflict? That's what Solomon says. Proverbs 15.1. A gentle answer, he says, turns away wrath. But a harsh word stirs up anger. You see that? Don't you ever, ever forget that. There is power in your words. So when you see an injustice, you're angry and you're moved to justice. And there's a good chance you're going to have to say something. Maybe something that's kind of hard to somebody, right? But first, I want you to pay attention to who you're speaking with. Because in Proverbs 9, verse 7, he says, He who corrects a scoffer gets dishonor for himself. And he who reproves a wicked man gets insults for himself. Do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. See, when I know somebody's a scoffer, you know, acting unintelligent, that they're just there to mock me or to doubt everything that I'm saying, I'm probably not going to rebuke them. I'll pray for them. I'll offer them a glass of water. I'll love them. But Jesus, he says, we're going to have enemies I don't need to make anymore, right? I'm not going to cast my pearls before a swine, as Jesus would put it. But then there are times when I see injustice being done by the people that I care about. Injustice being done by people that I think are wise. Injustice being done by my brothers and my sisters in Christ. And in those situations, I need to say something. I need to begin to correct this injustice that's taking place. Now, again, this injustice, it, it isn't being done to me, but it's being done to someone else. Because I'm thinking, I'm thinking, and as I'm angry, here, this is what Solomon tells me. He says, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise makes knowledge acceptable, but the mouth of fools spout folly. The eyes of the Lord is in every place watching the good and the evil. A soothing tongue, a soothing tongue is the tree of life, but perversion in it crushes the spirit. Wow, that's an amazing passage, by the way. There's, there's a lot in that passage, a lot of wisdom in that passage. And I, I'm starting to feel angry, right? And it's about an injustice for someone else. And I've got to keep on thinking, keep thinking. I need to ask questions before I speak. And this passage actually gives us some of those questions that we should be asking before we open our mouths. When I speak, as, as the passage just said, when I speak, can I give a gentle answer? When I speak, can I give a sage answer? When I speak, can I give a soothing answer? answer? Those are really good questions. I, I believe those are wise questions to ask. So, so let's take the first one, a gentle answer. A gentle answer, it tells us, turns away wrath. So what you say and how you say it, it actually matters. What comes out of your little mouth matters. Did you know that Solomon, he gives over 150 different references to the mouth. And he tells us a gentle answer turns away wrath. Gentle, it just means uh, quiet, relaxed. Proverbs 17, 27, Solomon says, Whoever restrains his words has knowledge. He who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. I love that, by the way. He who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. See, there is power in a gentle, quiet, and relaxed answer. Have you ever noticed that when you get a ticket, not saying that you have, but I have, um, when you get a ticket, have you ever noticed how polite the police officer is? 
I'm not saying that all the time they are, but most of the time they are so polite. Now, now if he came and pulled you over, all of a sudden started banging on your car, you're like, why are you such a fool? No, what do they do? They go, good afternoon. Good to see you, sir. Looks like we're in a bit of a rush today to get somewhere. You know, we're just concerned about your protection and the health of your family and the protection and health of those around you. Uh, Can I see your driver's license and registration, please? Right? I I pray every other Thursday with a police officer. He's just that way. He's he's gentle and, and 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 he's very polite. And that's, they're trained to be that way. They're trained to be very controlled, very quiet because of this truth. A harsh word stirs up anger. Like, just go and try it this afternoon. You know, just this afternoon, just start yelling at somebody. Pick somebody, just start yelling at them. Watch what happens, right? Watch what happens. Their response. Because here's, here's what will happen. The level of your intensity is going to ignite the level of their intensity, and you are going to have an argument. And if that happens, don't blame me. You know, just, it's, it's your own fault. <laughs> but if you give a soft, self-controlled, gentle answer, it de-escalates, right? It turns away wrath. And it's not just your tone of voice. It's actually what you say with your tone of voice. If I just looked at Jason and said, Jason, you're such an idiot. You know, I, I, I think there's still going to be some anger that might be created in that encounter. But listen to what, and I, and I, and I don't think you're, I think you're a wonderful man. I just really appreciate you. And we, we can talk about it later today. Um, so listen to what Peter says. And actually, I used him in first service as well. So I didn't have to apologize to more than one person. So anyways. That's wisdom. <laughs> so let's look at 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. This is a good one. This, this is a really good verse. He says, But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. A defense. So, I, by the way, you're not his defense attorney. You don't have to defend God. He can do better than that. It's called the Holy Spirit. He defends God. But he, what he's saying is you be ready to give an answer of the hope that resides within you. But then what does he say at the end? He says, yet do it. Say this with me. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. That's important. Why, why did Paul say with gentleness and respect? It's so that they would actually receive what you're saying, right? Because if you get them angry, they're going to stop doing what? Thinking, right? Listening, thinking. And, and, and when you are correcting somebody, you want them thinking. And if you get them angry, all they're doing is feeling. And when all you're doing is feeling, you're not reasonable. And all you've got is an argument and a mess. Anybody tried this? Anybody ever tried that with your spouse? It is not a good way to go. So you give a gentle answer so it can be received. And so they don't stop thinking. Second question, can I give a sage answer? Verses 2 and 3, the tongue of the wise. Tongue of the wise, we want to be wise, right? Hopefully that could be said of us, right? Um, The tongue of the wise makes knowledge acceptable. It's the fool who spouts folly. Okay, so you're ready with your gentle answer. You have control of your voice. Now, how can I say that or say this where it will be embraced, where it will be acceptable? And this is important. And I think we blow this one a lot as Christians. A wise answer or a sage answer, it just doesn't deal with the empirical facts of the situation, right? Here's what you did. Here's what you did wrong. You know, we're just dealing with the facts, dealing with the facts. You know, that's how we approach conversations often. But what you're forgetting are the emotional facts. So, you know, it's much more complicated than that, right? In other words, when am I going to say this? How am I going to say this? In fact, right now, I just want to answer the most difficult question ever asked by a woman to her husband. Gentlemen, you know the question. Sweetheart, does this dress make me look... Yeah, and the biblical answer is right here in Ephesians 4.29. 
Let no unwholesome words proceed from your mouth. There you go. Because here's the big issue. Let no unwholesome words proceed from your mouth. Shouldn't we be honest, right? Shouldn't we always tell the truth, right? If somebody's a loser, I'm telling them they're a loser. I always tell the truth. Well, here's the wisdom. Let no unwholesome words proceed from your mouth. And listen to what he says. He's not done. He says, only such a word that is good for edification, building up according to the need of the moment, that it may give grace to those who hear. Isn't that an incredible passage? Did you hear that? Only such a word that is good for edification, building up according to the need of the moment, that it may give what? It will give grace to those who hear. First of all, let, no unwholesome word. Unwholesome word. Unwholesome word is something that tears down instead of building up. People don't need you to go around condemning them all the time. When we get angry, that's how we correct people, right? We just correct them by condemning them. You're this and you're that and that's wrong and you shouldn't do that. No, let no unwholesome word come out of your mouth. As Christians... We should always be giving people hope. Even in our correction, we should be giving people hope. Give them hope that they can come out of it. Give them hope that they can do the right thing, that they can say the right thing. Give them hope. Give them a word that is good for edification, to give them hope, to build them up. That's why if you need to talk to someone about an injustice that they have done to somebody else, you can start it by saying, can you just help me to understand where you're coming from? Can you, can you just explain? I mean, you said this or you did that. I mean, can you just help me understand why you did that? And then actually listen to them. Hear their answer. Let them tell you why they did that perverted or hurtful or harmful thing. And, and pay attention to the answer. Because then you'll be able to speak words of edification to them. And, and, and they'll be able to receive them according to the need of the moment. With, with the illustration of the woman in the dress. Gentlemen, when your sweetheart says, does this dress make me look... That. What is her need at the moment? Well, sometimes she just needs to know what you think. I mean, honestly, some, in some marriages, they just want to know yes or no. But a lot of time, it's not about how the dress fits. It's how she feels about herself. It's about her own attractiveness to you. That's the need. Just be aware of what is the need. And Paul goes on to say this in Ephesians 4.30. So stop grieving the Holy Spirit of God, which you have been given, sealed until the day of redemption. So now let all bitterness... Bitterness. What's bitterness? It's when you're disappointed and you don't do anything about the disappointment. So disappointment turns into resentment and then resentment finally ends up being an attitude of bitterness. Anyone ever been bitter before? I know I have. Absolutely. I've let bitterness control me before. Well, what do you do with this bitterness? He says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger. Oh, there it is. Anger and clamor. That's when I'm always irritated and slander. That's blasphemia. When I say something to hurt, he says, let it all be put away from you along with what? With all malice. He's saying don't do anything that destroys or tears down somebody else, that removes their hope for improvement. But be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Powerful words. Powerful words. With this word kind. Kind that means to be sensitive to the need of another. Be kind. We need to... Work on kindness, I think. Be kind. Be sensitive to the other person's need. So somebody's teeing off on you. Somebody's lying about you. Somebody's angry at you. But what are you thinking? You're thinking, why are they doing this? What is the need in this moment? What do they need? 
Because if they are arrogant or they're bragging, I can promise you that their need is that they are so insecure they're trying to convince people that they're right, that they're smart, that they're superior, better than you. And if you just respond to them by trying to rip them down, it's just going to throw gas on the fire. But if you think, what is the need in this moment? This person, what is the need? They have a need to feel important. So I'm going to speak to them as someone who is important because I want them thinking and I want them to hear and hopefully receive the correction that I want to speak. And that leads me to my third question. It's a good question. Is it a soothing answer? Again, Proverbs 15, a wise answer is not only gentle, it's not only a sage answer where you are wise enough to understand the need of the moment, but thirdly, it's a soothing answer. Verse 4, a a soothing tongue. This is beautiful. A soothing tongue is a tree of life, but the perversion of it will crush it. What's soothing? Soothing is simply, it means healing. So when I speak with a soothing tongue, it is healing. Well, healing what? Healing what? Well, all relationships are based upon two pillars, respect and trust. It's true. See, if you don't trust me to do what I say I'm going to do, there's no relationship. If you don't respect who I am, that I am who I am, then there's no relationship. Trust and respect, the pillars of those relationships. Our relationship with God, think about it. If we don't trust God, we call that faith, right? If we don't trust God, that God's going to do what he says he's going to do, then we have no relationship. If we don't respect his word as truth, that God is who he claims to be in his holy word, then there's no relationship. It's true in the vertical, it's true in the horizontal. Relationships, they are based on trust and respect. And in every encounter, in every relationship that I've encountered as a pastor, where there, there's some, something hurtful, where somehow the relationship has been broken, I always find that trust has been broken or respect has been broken. And when, when I come into those situations in my anger toward the injustice being done, what I have to say should be all about how to heal that relationship, right? A soothing answer. Asking questions like, you know, I, just help me out. You know, why, why did you do that? You know, is that working for you? What is it that you really want? Well, I want my wife to respect me. Well, well then, let me just say this. As, as I observe the way you treat your wife and the fact that you embarrass her and you throw her under the bus and basically ignore her, as it seems that all your attention is on everybody else, your work, your job, your friends, may, may I suggest as your brother in Christ, that that's why she doesn't respect you. Now, are these easy conversations? No. Right? And we are going into the deep waters. These are touchy subjects. But it is so important that we come into these situations of injustice with a soothing answer. Solomon tells us that what we say, it can actually bring healing. Amen. Right? Amen. Actually bring healing because of the perversion of it literally crushes the spirit. So as you go through this life and you come up against injustice and you will... Ask the Lord for help and for his wisdom that you might be able to give a gentle answer, a sage answer, and a soothing answer. Have you ever heard of the word philology? Anyone? Any brainiacs heard of philology before? All right, philology is the study of the origin of language. <laughs> Some philologists actually believe that the fact that we can communicate, I mean, I can get something from my mind and it can end up in your mind Because of a spoken word, philologists actually believe that this is the evidence of the existence of God. 
Because they can't explain the existence of language. They, you can go back to Sanskrit, you can go back to the grunting and the growling, but you can't figure out how we, t- we can communicate one thought from one mind to another mind with actual words. There was a creator who gave us language, who created words. Sometimes we're like, well, God, why did you give me language? I messed it up all the time. But he actually gave it to us. Language is the very thought and the mind of the creator placed in us, giving us a means to be able to communicate with each other. Language is the very evidence of the existence of God. Well, why did he do it? Why did he give us words? Did he give us language to communicate? Why couldn't we just be like giraffes? Right? Have you seen a giraffe? They just kind of do, right? And eat, and they probably make grunts and hisses and stuff, but right? I mean, come on, Lord. Language. I messed it up so often. Why did he give us language? He gave us language so that we could walk. This is a challenge to all of us. So that we could walk in the wisdom that he expects us to have. See, he entrusted us with language so that we could communicate with others the love of God. To communicate with others the wisdom of God. That we could, like I just talked about, give a gentle answer under control. To give a sage answer addressing the need, but say it in a way that will be received. And that it would be a soothing word. That it would give them hope. Praying that it might bring healing to areas of broken trust and broken respect. He's given us language to express the love of God to this world. And life spring, the, the opposite of all of this, it's really the tale of a fool. The opposite of all of this is being out of control, of yelling, of screaming. What does yelling do? Yelling, it dismisses the presence of another person. It devalues them. When you yell, it insensitively dismisses the feelings of another. I don't really care what you feel. I don't really care what your needs are. In fact, I do not care about you at all. And so yelling, it humiliates because it dismisses the worth of another human being. So how does a fool deal with anger? A fool. How does a fool communicate that anger? How about when a fool sees an injustice and they know that they need to bring correction? What does a fool do? They yell, right? They start screaming. They yell. They are insensitive. They humiliate and they dismiss the other person's feelings and they devalue the other's worth. And church, if we want to take anything else from today's message... I believe more than anything God would want us to see and to have it make sense that that way, the way of the fool, it does not work. It does not work. But that God's way works. God's way is God's gift of communication. God wants us to use language, the language that he has created for us, to use it for good and to do justice, Joe Moore, to do justice. I love your willingness to do justice. Praise the Lord. God's given us the emotion of anger. God's given us the ability to use words in our anger so that we can correct injustice. Now, again, not injustice to ourselves. If it's personal, if I'm not being treated like a God, I don't like the way I'm being treated. I'm not getting my will done on earth as it is in heaven. If this is a personal thing, then it is my glory to overlook that. I get it. It's hard, but that's what the word said. It is my glory to overlook it. It is a beautiful thing to forgive it and to be gracious. But life's free. Do justice. 
When you see injustice done to others, permit yourself to be angry. Not too soon angry. Keep thinking, keep thinking. Don't just feel, feel, feel. But in your thinking, keep on asking yourself the question, why am I being angry? And as you respond to the injustice, ask the questions. How can I keep my voice soft and gentle? This is hard, right? How can I respond with some wisdom and sage? How can it be a soothing answer in what I'm about to say? But it's so important because we as the American church, we got a bad reputation. I don't know if you know that, but we do. I searched on Google, I I, I searched this, why are Christians so? And as you can expect, it was so loving and kind and gentle and patient. No, you know what? The first one was, why are Christians so annoying? (laughs) Which I thought was awesome. Like, I agree. Why are we so... Anyways, why are Christians so annoying? You want to guess what the other ones are? Why are Christians so judgmental? Why are Christians so angry? Why are Christians so cruel to other religions? And for us sitting here this morning, I just want to say that that doesn't have to be our lot in life. We don't have to sign up for that. I just pray for us. Those of us sitting in this room right now at the 11 o'clock service, I pray that our community out there, they might say, why are they so gentle and compassionate? Why are they so forgiving. You want to look like a weirdo in this world? Just start forgiving people because nobody forgives in the natural, but in the spirit of God to forgive one another. They'll say, why are you so forgiving? Why are you so quick to stand against injustice? And why are they so loving? We're emotional because God made us emotional. But by the grace of God, may we be the ones in this room that would use our emotions according to the wisdom of God all according to the glory of God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for who you are. Help us, Lord. Help us in this area of anger and emotion. So often, I think, when we think about our emotions or our anger, we just think you made a mistake. (laughs) Anyone in this room right now, as I'm praying, think that God made a mistake with your emotions? Absolutely. But God, you don't make mistakes. You created us to be emotional beings. But we want to be emotional according to your wisdom, Lord. We want, to, we want to be emotional in a way that would give honor to you, Lord. To bring glory to your name. That when we see injustice, Lord, we wouldn't stand by, but we would stand up for those. Uh, I just think right now, Lord, as a church, what we could do, Lord, in the areas of, of homelessness and, and, and for the poor and for the needy. And even I think about the ministries that we could do, Lord, for those that have had injustices done to them. And we could stand up and say, no, no, no. And, but in our anger, Lord, we wouldn't just start making enemies and, and, and spewing venom. But we'd be able to communicate, Lord, in a way that would be according to your ways, Lord. Help us in this, Lord. I just pray this would be more than a message. We would take this away, that we would walk with this, Lord, and say, can I give a gentle answer? Lord, help me with that. By your Holy Spirit, help me that I could give a gentle answer, that I could give a sage answer. That I, and, and, and by your Spirit, Lord, and, and by the change that you could do in my heart, that as I give knowledge to others, that it would be acceptable. They would receive it. But also that it would be a soothing answer. That the words that I would speak would bring healing into situations. When so often the words I speak, they just add gasoline to the fire. But Lord, that we would instead bring a soothing answer. Help us, Lord. Help us, God. And we have a confidence that you hear us when we cry to you. 
And you do help us in our time of need. When you left Jesus, you left us your comforter, your Holy Spirit, to help us in our time of need. And we thank you for that. And even now, as we, as we pray together, Lord, we can cry out to you, Abba, Father, help us. Help us, Lord. And you know, and we know, that you are faithful to answer that cry. So we're excited about this week, Lord. We're excited for those opportunities when things are done against us, when, when, when we're hurt or when someone's done wrong to us, and we'll have that opportunity to overlook that transgression and count it all as glory, as the beauty of God. But also, Lord, we'll have the opportunity as we see things done wrong to others, that we could rise up and be able to lovingly correct our brothers and sisters in Christ with a love and a gentleness and a wisdom and a healing power, Lord, that only comes through your Son, Jesus Christ, and the power of His Holy Spirit. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen.